Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. A couple of weeks ago, we handled the business of the black church and its toxicity. Well, let me tell you, an hour just wasn't enough time to TCB. And that's take care of business for all you folk that don't know the lingo. Uh, we brought our guest back to continue the discussion about the black church and its adequacy or lack thereof at serving the black community let's get down to business the business of being black today is the black church toxic Woo we please welcome back the senior pastor at Southside bethel family of purpose baptist church pastor fred howard hi pastor howard how you doing tammy thank you for having us back again Thanks for coming back through the senior pastor at Greater Zion Church Family in Compton, Dr. Michael J. Fisher. What's up, Tammy? Glad to be back in the hot seat one more time. <laughs> Doctor, look, Doctor, Doctor, pa Pastor Reverend Fisher. I was talking to somebody about you uh, not long ago, and I said I don't think Pastor Fisher hoops and hollers. And they was like, "Oh no, Pastor Fisher is a hooper and a holler, baby. He hoops." <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do all of that and teach all of that, all mixed into one. Educator and content creator, the Conscious Lee is back with us. Hey, Conscious Lee. Hey, hey, hey. Love being here always. Well, thank you so much. Got a chance to see your Instagram today. You going in on the BBLs and now we talk about the church. How about that? Hey, sometimes it's how it happens, you know, You're trying to relate to the people we're talking about. Pastor and community activist, Reverend K.W. Tulis. Hi, Reverend Tulis. I mean, I'm so happy to be here. So happy to join the conversation today. Thank you for being here. Now, this is the question that I often ask. Actually, it's a tradition on the business of being black. And that is, why should black people care? Why should black people care? Reverend Tulis, I'm going to let you kick this off. Why should black people even care whether the black church is toxic or not? Well, I think black people should care because uh, as I come into the uh, understanding that, you know, the black church is not really to toxic people in the church are toxic. And so when it comes down to our culture and the importance of the black church to our communities, I think, again, uh, the church is an important um, institution um, that really um, brings about the light of Christ throughout our world. So the black church and the black community should care about the black church. Dr. Pastor Fisher, why should black people care if the church is toxic or not? Well, the black community should definitely care if the black church is toxic or not, because it has always served as that institution that is an intersection between the people and policies, politicians, people of power. So if the church is toxic, then that's going to be a deterrent for the community to come and get what they need. If the church is toxic, it may also sever a lot of those bridges that our ancestors took years to build so we can serve our community better. So we should definitely care about this subject. Pastor Fred. Well, the black church should care because if you can care about your job, you can care about your family, you can care about the institution that actually brought you to where you are right now. The church is somewhat the foundation of when we look back where we got to where we are today. The question is, what do we do with the historical aspects that brought us to where we are now? So we should care about whether or not the church is toxic or not. Consciously, I'm black. I want to know, why should I care if my church is toxic or not? As long as I'm getting what I got to get. Why should I care? Yeah, I think we should care because when you think about resources, accessibility, and opportunity for many different people, the black church is where they're going to get that at. So when we talk about people being able to mobilize themselves, when we talk about people being able to understand themselves, nine times out of 10, today and in history, the church is going to really be sometimes what's planting that seed to make what people understand. That. So if the black church is toxic, what does that mean for how I understand myself and how I understand other people? So I want to start here because I'm ready to kick this conversation off in a real way. Let's talk about the Bible. The Bible is extremely old, centuries upon centuries old. I mean, before uh, AD, it, before Christ is what the Bible, you know, we have a, uh, uh, Old Testament and a New Testament. And I think even the New Testament is now the Old, Old Testament. So are the principles of the Bible antiquated? 
And by teaching these antiquated principles, are we uh, making that a part of the church's toxicity or not? Dr. Fisher. <laughs> I just knew you was coming to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Bible is an old document. Okay, we'll give you that. But the principles, though, are still very relevant and contemporary. So at the essence of the Bible, um, it is about how do you treat your neighbor? It's about respect. It's about being integral. Uh, it's about character. It's about loving yourself and in turn, loving those that are around you. Um, it's about respecting those that you may not necessarily understand, but respecting the fact that they also were made in God's image and God loves them. Therefore, you have to love them as well. So I don't think that that ever goes out of date. Um, I think that when we select certain scriptures to push our personal agenda, that's what makes it toxic. When we use um, certain scriptures to push our ideas about God, or if we want to enslave and marginalize certain people, and we use the Bible to support that, that's when it becomes toxic. But the Bible as a whole, if it's taken just as a document, right, that really is about how we treat one another and how we honor the God in others, and therefore pleasing God by how we love our neighbor, our family, and ourselves, that still makes the Bible very relevant, and it also does not make it toxic. Pastor Fred. Well, the Bible is, as we know, the written word of God. And thus, when we look at it, it's actually an ultimate set of guiding principles that govern areas of our life for the purpose of what we do and how we do these things. Because through the word, God communicates his will, he communicates his law, he communicates his nature, and he communicates his saving purpose for humanity. So when we look at the word of God, it may be old in our sense, but it's a book of principles that as we go by, it keeps us strong, it keeps us focused. And the one thing that you know we've been talking about in Bible study is the one thing that never fails is love. And if we attach everything from Genesis to Revelation, it is all based on love. And that's how we ought to move in our life. So whether it's old or not, that principle of love never goes away. But Reverend Tullus, that principle of love that uh, Dr. Fisher and Pastor Fred are talking about, it doesn't translate well into a real, the real world uh, coming from the Bible. Well, I mean, I, I beg to differ. I mean, I believe that the Bible is our blueprint for better living. It's our manuscript. It's our, it's our, it's, it's, it's the most sharpest tool in our tool chest. It's something that we must utilize to help navigate through um, the ways of the world. It's something that we must navigate, we must use to up, uplift us, make us better, to make sure it, it, it cleanses us uh, from the unrighteousness or whatever um, the problems we might be facing throughout the world. The Bible does just that. And I believe it's a problem where people don't apply the word of God it's a problem that people might not really understand what they're reading. Of course, it's old, it's outdated, but there's many different translations that um, you can read. And those principles all come forth the same. Uh, it's designed to help guide us and to guide the principles um, that God uh, wants us to really abide by. Consciously, jump in here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to feel like I probably disagree with everybody on this one. I think that when we talk about like the Constitution as an analogy, we recognize that we probably shouldn't have people that was born two or three hundred years ago governing our lives, thinking about standards and morals. Right. So when I think about, you know, love is always it always holds. But just like the Constitution talks about humanity and life and liberty, pursuit of happiness, you know, those concepts always hold as well. But when we talk about toxicity in the church, we ain't got to use that universal, you feel me, idea. That ain't what's causing us beef. You feel me? As a Southerner, I was told the Bible was an acronym that stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. When I'm recognizing when it comes to personhood, you feel me, when it comes to thinking about what is right and what is wrong, it's a lot of ways that, that, that I would say different entities, the missionary, the Pentecostal, the seven Adventists, play games with the Bibles. You feel what I'm saying? I don't eat pork, right? I recognize the Bible said I don't eat pork. A lot of, a lot of evangelicals have way more energy about some charity pick checks mix 
You throw the pretzels out, but you want to eat this part? I'm going to talk stuff about everything about, I think, homosexuality or gender. But you can, hey, football, hey, I'm going to make sure the church in early is make sure y'all go watch the football game. But hey, say the pig skin. So I think when it comes to the Bible, it's antiquated. And a lot of people going to have a, a big investment towards, I feel like, always already wanting to reform the different entities in the Bible and say it applies to the day. But I feel like the same way I feel about the Constitution, about the Bible. It has these good things. You see what I'm saying? But it's a lot of ways that we articulate to each other and recognize other spiritualities that's really archaic. We passed that. And the last thing I'll say is we know that the civil rights movement, the black church was integral to that movement, right? We can also recognize there was a coalition that one would be able to talk about in terms of like the nation of Islam or thinking about other spiritual entities that I've argued that the black church uniquely sometimes likes to push out and marginalize and be like, that's bad, that's demonized. Allah, Muslims, Islam, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, but I digress. And so, so I, I want to jump in because okay, I think I think that um, I, I respectfully want to say that I think my issue, we're always charging that the Bible is antiquated. But yet I see in my generation and the generation beneath us that they are moving to ancestral things that technically can be antiquated as well. I think that we throw that out there when it's convenient. You know what I'm saying? So you can't say that the Bible is antiquated when you still believe in sage, crystals, astrology, numerology. You still calling you still calling on on the raw God, which is old pagan stuff, things that we did way back when we were in Africa. So if that's not antiquated, you can't say the Bible is antiquated. I think the problem is, is that just like when someone gets in a car, the car is not the problem, the driver is. So we got to talk about how the people are not driving this vehicle properly. And that's the reason why we're seeing literally, figuratively speaking, a slaughterhouse of souls. All Listen, me cutting you off is not the problem. The commercial break is. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today is the Black Church Toxic. Listen, I challenged our panel by saying the Bible itself is pretty antiquated. Doesn't that it itself create toxicity if we're going by rules from before Christ was even on, uh, set his, his own feet on the, the, the soils of the earth? And to that, well, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, J.T. Fisher said, look, if we're going to call the Bible antiquated, let's call crystals and sage antiquated as well. And I'm like, oh, he's got a point there. Pastor Fred, go at it. Yeah, before, before I consciously gets in, listen, everyone that's on this broadcast, everyone that's listening are governed by some principles. All those principles, although no matter how late they are or how old they are, they govern the way we walk, they govern the way we talk, two plus two is four, that's a principle that we've adopted. The principles in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is what we should be following, the principles. Now, when we say every jot and every tittle, it means that we don't change anything. It means that we follow the principles of the Bible. It's just like what Pastor Fisher said. If we're going to call the Bible antiquated, then we might as well call everything that we've learned antiquated because it's all built upon things that we've learned. So well, we can certainly call red lights antiquated, but they have been modernized. Right. And the Bible has been modernized as far as the principles are concerned, because the way we looked at things 50 years ago is different than the way we looked at things today. When my grandfather, a sharecropper, came out to California from Georgia, he didn't have any education, but he was pastoring. He was teaching the principles that were in the Bible. 70 years later, here we are preaching the principles of the Bible. It's been to the point, the, and we applaud um, Pastor Fisher and the way that they uh, go into ministry to affect those people that they minister to, but the principles remain the same. The principles remain, they don't change. The principles remain the same. It's just Roger like- Lee, get in. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I, to me, it's like I'm hearing everybody's doing it. I think that right now in terms of debate, reason I would say my opponents is trying to say everybody's doing it. But I would say when the word says you can't bring grapes from thorns, no thieves from thistles, how every no, no unclean thing come from a clean thing. When I think about crystals or think about raw, think about these other forms of spirituality, not much bloodshed or domination or power or colonization is tied to that. So we can, I, I think it's cute and funny to be like, but the crystals and raw, they come from, yes, that, that is true. 
But when we're talking about toxicity, we ain't talking about something from the old coming. We're talking about how it is applied, how is it applicable, and we're looking at it in terms of, hey, I don't see as many thorns and thistles and unclean things that come from everything that, you know what I'm saying, Pastor James Fisher, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, kind of humoristically, you know I'm saying, evoked. It's like, hey, fam, I see what you're doing here, but listen, they don't get from the criticism. You showed me who got enslaved by believing in crystals. You showed me who got kicked out of their household for believing in astrology. You showed me what land was taken because, nah, stop playing them games, man. That's to me, I'm like, but that, yeah. no, no, that but was the, something that was created. No, hold yeah. on. So, so the thing is, though, is that what we talked about, just to review, if people want to rewind it, was that the statement was that the Bible, the document was antiquated. My argument is that the document. If that's going to be the argument and we're talking about getting rid of it because it's antiquated, it's age, then you got to get rid of all those other things because they are also antiquated in age. Now, what I am with you on is that the application that comes from these scriptures has colonized people, has endorsed enslavement, has brought the toxicity into the church. Um, it's done a lot of bad, but it's not the Bible that's the problem. It has been people who have said they were called to preach and proclaim the Bible. And I oftentimes stand up and take offense when everybody throws us all in one piece because I don't misuse and abuse the word of God like that. I've seen it happen. I've seen the results of it. No, I can't say that crystals are at the core of enslavement. I can't say that astrology is the reason why uh, nations and lands were colonized. I can't say that. Has the Bible been used to justify that? Unfortunately, yes. But it doesn't make the Bible the problem. It makes the people who preach and represent that Bible the problem. And I've got to get Reverend Tullis in on this. Listen, the Bible was used to enslave black people is that not toxic that black people take this 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 whole book that enslaved them and gave justification of enslavement pastor Tullis, is it is it not toxic that we preach from that book well i, I don't think it's the book that was toxic it was probably the interpretation of those that push um those particular methods um not dividing the word of truth properly. And I think when I listen to Conscious Lee and um, when I listen to you, uh, Ms. Tammy Mack, I, I believe that, again, the interpretation uh, is sometimes screwed and pushed um, to their own agendas. But the Bible tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. And I believe ultimately it's our responsibility, especially as pastors and leaders of our, of our particular faith, to rightly divide. We are held accountable for those things. And yes, we cannot run away from the fact that there was individuals that pushed um, slavery through the Bible. Uh, but we can thank God for those um, fire preachers like Nat Turner, who saw right through that, who led individuals out of slavery. So um, there's a whole lot of good and there's a whole lot of bad you can pull from it. But at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to, 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 to apply it and to make sure we rightly divide it. So let's talk about something that could uh, very well be considered toxic in the black church. And that is uh, what the black church believes of female pastors. Uh, do we want to take that one? Oh, let's go for it. You know what? Now, now, I'm going I'm to I'm start this off. Okay. You know, growing up, growing up, yes. In, in our denomination, that was not something that was acceptable. As Pastor Tulis just said, when you're rightly dividing the word of truth and you know for yourself, things shift and things change. The principles don't change, but things shift and things change. Me, myself, I've been pastoring for 25 years. My executive pastor for the past six years has been a woman. And when I look at the word of God, I tell people this, the first woman, the, the first one who pronounced the gospel was a woman. Hello. And so how can we, how can we hold back what God is doing when it's already evident? That is a belief that people hold on to because they try and, and as we said, how people interpret the word, they interpret it the way that they choose to interpret it. Because if you come Listen, at them with- Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Fisher, I'm a black woman. Can I preach behind your pulpit? Oh my God, yes. What? Not only can you preach behind my pulpit, you can be an elder in my church. You can be a deacon as well, because there were female deacons 
as well. They were women deacons as well. Um, you know, the, the, where that whole thing came from was First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, where Paul is giving advice to his son, Timothy, and they had some kind of bickering that was happening in their meetings. And Paul says, well, tell the ladies to go home and wait until you all get finished with your men's meeting and then have a conversation with their husbands about, you know, what had happened. But men who wanted to take power took that scripture, abused it, and interpretation. women. It was all in interpretation because a lot of people do not study the original context of the scriptures. What we're arguing now is everyone's interpretation of the scripture. Instead of people going all the way back to like the Greek interpretation of the text, the Aramaic interpretation of certain words, the Hebrew interpretation of certain words that are in Old Testament and New Testament that will bring you back to the core of what God was really trying to say. So yes, if you're a woman and you come to Greater Zion, you can preach, you can lead, you can baptize. There's no difference. No Reverend Tullis was ready to get in on this one. I saw. I was, I was ready to get in because, I mean, I think you got the right preachers on talking about that. You know, I, I'm the president of the Baptist Ministers Conference, largest ministers conference in the world, the most oldest. And I became president about three years ago. And uh, in that particular time, there was not one woman that was able to preach at the conference. But when I who said I'm a civil rights leader, um, you know, I believe in equal opportunity. I believe I called a mass of individuals. And at the end of the day, we knocked down that stronghold. I think that time is building and time is changing. There is a lot of individuals as part of my group that did not and still do not believe in women preaching. But I'm so grateful to have my mother with me in my pulpit. And so I was raised a little differently being in ministry for 25 plus years, pastoring 15 plus years. You know, the reality is I believe, again, times are changing and I believe people are more open to allowing women to serve. We got some fantastic women throughout. Hold that thought. Times are changing, but not these commercials. We'll take a break and be back. (laughs) Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is, is the black church toxic? Listen, consciously, they say it's not the Bible. It's not the church. It's the people and the interpretations that's making the church toxic, not the church itself, nor is it the Bible and its principles. And my response is, what is an ideology if we cannot, if we can't judge it based off of its followers? We can acknowledge that basically nobody in the Bible had a Bible. Sometimes they're saying, it's like, what you mean with that? To me, it's like when you say that it's not the church, it's the people. It's like, listen, whoever decides when the church opens, whoever decides the blueprint of the church, who decides who runs the church, who decides who gets in and get out, it's the people. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Peter said, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the car, it's the driver. How can we in my mind, measure the utility or efficiency of a car if you don't able to if, if you're able to detach it from the driver. You see what I'm saying? It's like to me when we start to evaluate things and we want to separate them. To me, it's a cop out. The toxicity of the church has to do with the people and how many people are able to say, "Hey, you know what? Don't have that resentment or don't have that towards the church. It's the people." It's like, listen, the people is what's going on. So Matthew four four, right? Don't nobody should rely on. Say, man, do not eat bread alone, but rely on the mouth of God. It's like everybody has their interpretations, and even within the church, it's beef. You see what I'm saying? So every time we say we have to make a distinction and say, hey, you can't, you can't put that criticism on that. That's how people do it. That, that's. But you world. gotta, but you gotta understand. Even the person driving the car, you gotta understand. There was a manufacturer of the vehicle. There was someone who had an idea, who had a purpose for a vehicle drew up the design, put that design to work. That design was put on the assembly line. The assembly line, they had their job to do what they did to put that car together. But now the person driving it is messing up because they didn't go by the manufacturer's instructions, which is the principle. It's sort of like the story of the woman grandma years ago, uh, in order for her to cook a roast, she had to cut it in half and put it in the stove. But then years down the long line, when the stove got bigger, Grandma was still put cutting it in half. And granddaughter, why are you cutting the roast in half? Because baby, when I was growing up, that's all, that's what we did because that's how big the stove was. And so now as we grow into ministry, as we grow into society, we got to look at the manufacturer. You like to look at the one who created everything, who started everything. Because General Motors is one beginning of the Cadillac. 
But guess what? You got Nissan. You got all these beginnings. All right. Well, I want to. I want to. I, I want to drive away from the cars right now and uh, pull <laughs> up to the church. Uh, <laughs> when we talk about the 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 leaders of the church, the pastors, the reverends, the people who are on this panel right now, um, it seems that pastors or reverends or bishops can never admit when they are at fault like one mega church bishop did and everybody knows who i'm talking about here creflo dollar he recently renounced his teachings about tithing and so my thought is if he can be wrong in his interpretation of what tithing is can't everybody be wrong in their interpretations of the bible Anybody can take it. No, absolutely. And I want to say this, that sometimes I think we get such in a mood of like, I just want to argue. I just want to argue. We're saying the same thing. Like literally what consciously is saying, bro, you're saying the same thing that I've been saying as well, that, that the problem is the people, the people in leadership. And what the church has to do is hold those people that misinterpret the Bible. They have to hold them accountable. They need to put systems in place that, do, that no longer allow them to represent us on a large scale and having a whole generation confused about what we stand for. Hey, now going to what you said, Tammy, yes, we are, we are fallible. We, we are human beings trying to understand um, a God that we've never seen going to a heaven we've never been to, right? And it's way larger than what we can conceive. And in our interpretation, as we are growing in our knowledge and our research, sometimes we do have to admit that what I saw when I was 25 is not how I see it when I'm 43 because there's been some experiences that I've gone through. Or maybe at that time in my life, I was just so busy trying to push dogma, dogma that I grew up hearing that I didn't realize I was enslaving my own people. And when you come to that level of consciousness and awakening that happens, not just in the church, come on, that's what got Malcolm X in trouble. He had an awakening that happened, right? Martin Luther King had an awakening that happened as well. And so when you have that awakening, there's nothing wrong with us coming back and saying, when I was younger, I spake as a child, acting as a child, but now I'm older, I'm putting away childish behavior. I am now new and different and follow me on this journey and this path as God is continuously evolving us. Reverend Tulis, um, uh, Creflo Dollar even went as far to say to his followers, throw away every book, every tape, and every video I ever did on the subject of tithing. What do you think was the motivation behind uh, this message? I don't know. I mean, like you said, maybe he had an awakening. I didn't hear him say, um, I will give you refunds for every book, for every um, yes. thing that you made. I didn't hear him say that. But at the end of the day, as Pastor Fisher say, as you grow, you grow. And, you know, within the realm of it, you know, his conscience, um, you know, uh, the light came on. And as a Christian, as a believer, as a preacher, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, we're put on a pedestal, but we're all centered, saved by grace through faith. Uh, we, I mean, you know, we all, we all have problems. We fall, we, we come short. And at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're centered, saved by grace through faith. And we as a Christian, again, we have to understand that as you grow, things become a little better. What I did when I was 19 is not what I'm doing now that I'm 45. So at the end, um, we all should be able to grow. And when you grow and whoever your members are, it's good to be transparent. And I think that was a transparent moment that was caught on Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, I think it was the intent behind it, the intent. And when I say the intent, just like he said, he said, I don't regret what I did in the past years because it got me to where I am now. So as I said, as, as Pastor Tula said, you know, are we going to get a refund for the books that we did purchase? The principles remain the same. All of us in here have jobs. All of us in here have requirements in order to sustain a business. And the church is the one aspect that people say, well, I don't have to have a principle to get to the church. I can just come in and just sit and enjoy the worship because it's not a business. So the principle in the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall others uh, bless you. So the, the principle of tithing is still there. 
just like okay. the principal on your job in order for you to get your business taken care of. Well, I mean, let's understand. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I just want to say here's the problem that I have, though, is that that whole I don't regret how I taught it before because it brought me to where I am. Miss me with that. You need mm -hmm. to apologize. The church needs to apologize. If you got it wrong, you need to stand up. You need to be a man and a woman and stand up and say the way that I preached that was wrong. That was not the true interpretation. Right. Right. To, that's why this generation ain't rocking with us. It's because we don't want to own up to some of the things that we have embraced at a certain season of our lives that did not represent God, God's heart, God's character, God's integrity. So he needs to miss me with that. If he was wrong and he was in error, he needs to apologize flat out. I remember Tammy Mack and I'm done. That as I was younger, I came up in a Baptist church, right? And I came, came up watching how they used to pastor people and, and they would front people and call people out and this, that, and the other, right? And as I came into it, not knowing that that was not of God, I used to do that too. And it would hurt so many people. And when I came into the light, I stood up so many times and apologized for that because it wasn't representing God. It wasn't, it wasn't representing his heart for the people that were sitting in those pews. And until we as men of God, women of God, drop these lame excuses and talk about, well, that's who I was then, and but it got me to where I'm at. No, bump that because you slaughtered a bunch of people on your way to where you are right now. So. I, I, that's passion. That's a passionate subject for me. So let me back up. <laughs> I appreciate that because I think you're right. Uh, the generations that are coming up are pushing the church away because they aren't admitting when they're wrong or where they are wrong. And that has become problematic. But I do want to get into this. Um, Pastor Keon Henderson, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> he says that uh, the pastors give parishioners grace, but parishioners never give pastors grace. What's up with that? And I thought, hmm, he he has a point here. Why aren't the pastors allowed grace just as parishioners are allowed are allowed grace? We're gonna talk about. I, I see you, Pastor J T. Fisher. I see you, consciously. I see you, Thomas. I see you, Pastor Fred. But we gotta take a quick break and come right back so y'all can dive in on this one. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is the Black Church Toxic. Ooh, ooh, we got a good one today. Please welcome back the senior pastor at Southside Bethel Family of Purpose Baptist Church, Pastor Fred Howard, the senior pastor at Greater Zion Church Family in Compton, Dr. Michael J. Fisher, educator and content creator, the consciously pastor and community activist, Reverend K.W. Tulis. Okay, so before we left, I talked about uh, Pastor Henderson saying that parishioners always want grace from pastors. But pastors are never given grace from parishioners. Is that a fair point? Dr. Fisher, go ahead. All right, because I know conscience is ready. So here's the issue is that you cannot portray yourself to be something that you're not and be mad when the people hold you to the standard that you set for yourself. So the reason why a lot of parishioners don't give pastors and leaders grace is because they're always hearing from them like they got it all together. They talking down to the people. The people need to get to where they are. Their marriages are immaculate. They, they don't sin. They don't have no issue. They holier than thou. And then when the people find out that that's not true, then they're open to their criticism. Then they want to start whining and crying, talking about you didn't show me no grace. No, be transparent and tell the truth that we are all in here trying to master this. I still fall. I still have sin. I still mess up. I don't have it all together. Then that way, when your issues come forth, then people will show you that grace because they already know that you are a flawed individual trying to preach to them a flawed, uh, a not flawed doctrine, right? So that's, that's the issue. Conscious Lee. Uh, is he saying something? No, no. You got it, Conscious. Oh, oh yeah. you're good. So, I'll out. Kind of circling it back a little bit, Creflo Dollar got to pay reparations. You see what I'm saying? When he says he don't regret nothing like that, of course you don't regret it because you eating lobster and shrimp and standing in a beautiful house that has been literally obliged through your lives. So if a white man tell me, I, I, I'm sorry for slavery, but I wouldn't regret it because he got to where I am now, of course, of course, of course, retro, you can't inherit a business and say, I revoke the liabilities, but I take on the assets. Stop that, stop that. And the second thing on the topic we're talking about, that's an abuse of power. If we recognize how you speak truth to power has to do with how you are able to elevate to that point, I, I think that it's wild for you to be able to point that finger like that 
and then flip it and be like, well, I'm like you, I get grace. No, what makes you different is because you're supposed to have a certain level of tenacity and dedication and investment for the work. And listen, we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm recognizing that. But that sounds the same thing to me as a police officer saying, listen, I know I took the oath. I know I'm paid by your stuff, but I fear for my life. Yeah, we all got fear, but you're supposed to be trained in a particular way to deal with fear. Uh, Pastor, uh, Reverend Tullis. Yeah, let me just say, first of all, first of all, I think, you know, one of the problems we get is, you know, we're living in a society where if one preacher do something wrong, it reflects all of us. Um, I don't care who you are. And the second thing, let me just point out to the fact that, you know, um, there's no one that I know that's perfect. Only perfect person I know is perfect um, is Jesus Christ. I read in the Bible. And at the end of the day, you know, every leader in the Bible, every leader, um, that's watching us now. We've all done something wrong. We've all fallen short. And I do believe we do lack grace. I tell people all the time, hey, I might mess up right now. But at the end of the day, don't judge me right. by some of the wrong that I did. Judge me by the sum of my life, the great overall aspects of what I tried to do and the things that I've tried. So many of us, again, we're, we're butchered um, because, again, one preacher makes a mistake or one preacher does something wrong. And it's, it's a reflection on all of us. But we got to make sure we have a little grace. I think all of us need a little grace. But the problem is, is that people in leadership, though, what we got to deal with is that it's hard for me to show you grace if you didn't show me grace. You see? Right. And so what happens is, is that all of a sudden you want, for example, someone may all of a sudden want you to be tolerant about divorce only because maybe you're going through one. You know, but up until then... Uh, preachers sit people down or dismiss people or you know um you know I've, I've gone through a separation you know but i've always presented myself as being somebody who also doesn't have it all together but it's hard for people to give you something that you didn't give them so if you sitting down the young lady because she got pregnant before she was married and then you got children all across the country won't name nobody that but you know and then you want people to show you grace you know once 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 it's about you that's the problem. And that's uh, the why some people Fisher, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just no, saying. No, no, I get you. I agree with you. with you. I agree with you. I think uh, and I agree with you. Yeah. But I'm saying the overall aspect of where we're at, I think the church has evolved away from a lot of those practices that we have done, understanding that transparency is the key. Transparency is the key to every. We're not, you're never going to see a perfect church. On every pew, there's a problem from the pulpit to the pews. Everybody hey, can, got problems. Now, now, let me just say this one Listen. thing I throw it to Howard. Now, okay. Tula, I'm for sure going to disagree with you because to this day, I'm ostracized from the church in many different venues based off of people assuming what they assume or think what they think about me. And it comes from preachers. So I will not stand here and say the church has evolved from that. Not when I myself am sitting here and telling the whole world that it still happens that they that they are still abusing their power and they still know how to marginalize people and lock and, people out of out of platforms and, and places. So right. y'all have and until until leader listen until the leaders of the until the leaders of the church get to the point where they can admit like me, I messed up. I messed up from the floor up. Amen. I messed up but every day. That grace, that grace that God's given me through that word of God tells me listen when i'm preaching to the congregants i'm preaching to myself first I, i'm no better i'm no better than anybody on this i'm no better than anybody looking at me you can call me frederick you can call me fred listen i have a job to do and that is to preach from genesis to revelation i'm to share those principles with you and to help you move from day one to day two to day three day four and guess what i slip I slip up. But aren't you pastors and bishops and reverends supposed to be better than us? I no. believe. Let me say no. this. No, mm. I think we're all I mm. think we all put on our pants the same way everybody else does. And let me go back to Pastor Fisher. I mean, because I'm very sensitive to that fact that there are individuals out there that are still evil, that's mean, that's hateful, that, that likes to criticize and like to pull you down from the pastors to the to, to the, uh, just the lay people as a whole. Yes, that is there, but the masses of individuals celebrate uh, um, the gifts of a Pastor Michael J.T. Fisher, celebrate Pastor Amen. Frederick Howard, uh, celebrate Conscious Week. Um, the reality is, I believe we all need to get a little better in extending that same grace that was bestowed upon us 
we need to be able to extend that same grace even to our enemies. Now, we, be said, what, Tammy, but we do we celebrate y'all when it's y'all anniversary and stuff. No, but, no, no. That's but Tammy, <laughs> but Tammy, look at this. Look at this. You you're the host of the show. I can't I can't sit behind where you're doing and do your job. So the expectation of making a show work and, and make it look good is on you because that's what people are looking at, not on us. Now we stand right. in that and position therefore, in the Pastor pulpit. Fred, I should be better than you in this. So you should be better than me in 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 your respective field, which is pastoring, ministering. Right. But in the broadcast, is there any time that you make a slip up? Any time that you that something does not? Of course not. Go not. Right? I mean, I'm perfect when it comes to this <laughs> you know stuff. Stop it! Stop it! But to your point, though, we're going to look at Tammy does when she's on TV a lot different than an amateur content creator or somebody that's going to be on TV. I think that to whom much is given, much is expected. Much when is required. Intent mm -hmm. and impact. When we talk about intent and impact. We can recognize everybody falls short. However, when you're given a lot, the way the impact happens for when you fall short, it's not the same as it is for your congregation. So when we think about what does it mean for Creflo Dollar to misteach for all these years? There was there were people that missed meals, that didn't eat their Popeyes, didn't eat their little Chick-fil-A because they wanted to get it up. So when we talk about like intent versus impact, yeah, all of us have intentions of being good and want to be perfect and all of us fall short. However, when you are a leader and you take the ability to be the leader and you take that to me, that, 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 that level of like power, that level of influence, you no longer get to be like, well, when I fall and mess up, we all fall and mess up. No, 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 no. You benefited from the trajectory of being a leader. Well, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. No, me. No. Tell me. Go ahead, Reverend Tullis. I'm conscious. I'm, 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 I'm just saying, like, listen, you, you're a human too. But you yeah, are. I, and, and, I, and like you said, much is given, much is required. And I believe that we're all, especially leaders from pastors to whatever field that you lead in, I believe, again, there should be a realm of accountability. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I believe that we should not look for perfection uh, from anyone. And let no, me just jump. And let me jump hold in. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Pastor uh, Fisher. We, we're uh, not looking for perfection, but we're definitely looking for some commercials right now because I need that cheese. Come on. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is the black church toxic. Now, uh, before we went to break, I talked about Reverend Keon Henderson, who said that uh, parishioners oftentimes give, uh, uh, give, I'm sorry, pastors give parishioners grace but parishioners don't give pastors grace. And uh, Reverend Fisher, you were you were commenting about that. Uh, well, yeah, because, you know, I think it's easy for us when we go so long making it seem like we are the example and you should just look to us and we have it all together. Our marriages don't have a problem. I don't have an issue. Well, when you do that, then it's kind of hard for people to give you the grace when you mm -hmm. were judging everybody when you were on top. And right. then to respond to Conscious Lee when he brought up about much that is given, much is required. Yeah, but this profession is a little bit different. I'm going to tell you why. It fits in the category of you becoming a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, right? So you are actually a husband first, and then you learn how to be a husband. You're a wife first, and then you learn how to be a wife. You're a you become a father, and then you learn how to father. And it's the same way with being a pastor, is that God calls us and go through all the scriptures. You'll, you'll find it true what I'm going to say. He calls them first, and then they learn how to catch up to the standard right. of that calling. Right. But we got to start preaching that so that the people understand that. So when the parishioners come in, if they see us and all we're preaching is, I got it together. Stand mm. up, first lady. We have celebrated 45 years, and God's been in the middle of it ever since. Mm. And then you find out that, that you was cheating on your wife, and then y'all right. got divorced. Right. People are not going to understand that the same, and that's the problem. I think that what I'm saying is not in, in opposition to what you're saying. I think right. that it, it's contributing a nuance to what you're saying. Because what I think about in terms of like power and in terms of something calling on to me, I taught in public schools for one year. I taught ninth and 10th grade English to Title I students, right? I recognize that there was a lot of things, a lot of feelings, emotions, a lot of the learning objectives, a lot of things that I didn't know about in terms of teaching about the curriculum. I recognize that I was teaching my students, telling my students how to respond in conflict, how to deal with their emotions, right? I recognize in terms of like power, I talk about much is expected. I think that it would be problematic if I got disciplined and or was held accountable the same way my students was as a teacher when it comes to how I hold up myself when it comes to like, you feel me, uh, going off, throwing a temper tantrum. You see what I'm saying? So I recognize, listen, 
I'm a human, like my students are human, but I recognize that, hey, listen, when my students throw a temper tantrum and act crazy, and when I throw a temper tantrum and act crazy, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. Pastor Tullis wants to get in here. Pastor Tullis yeah. wants to get in here. Yeah, I want to, I just want to say that, you know, just the magnitude of the office of being a spiritual leader um, to God's people. I mean, the magnitude of that comes with such a high cost. And within the realm of that, I mean, even myself personally, if I can just be transparent, um, you know, when you go through things that's public, when you go through things such as divorce, um, it, 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 it eats me up knowing that my life and my personal life could not be an example of what um, the true entity of marriage is supposed to be. And so, again, when we talk about grace, grace should be extended to all, regardless. I mean, because at the end of the day, being a public figure, people are going to say whatever the heck they want to say about you and put you in any box that they want to put you in. And so it takes a lot of tough skin that she was talking about. Not big skin, but human skin. I want, I want to get to this this last question before um, before we wrap it up here. Yeah, it's almost time to wrap it up, guys. Mm, <laughs> Pastors. <time flies>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've always had this question and I've never really been able, forget, forget what I've never been able, but I've always had this question in my head. Um, and it's about Christians' belief that only Christians go to heaven. And then I think about it and I say, so Muhammad Ali is not in heaven? All right, fine, I'll take it. So okay. <laughs> everyone was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, uh, like I said at the, the other episode when I said there are certain things we choose to believe, right? Like there's certain faiths, right? In our belief, that Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 14, verse one through six, where he says that I am the way, the truth and the life. No man coming to the father, but by me, if you are a Christian that believes in his teachings, then yes, we believe that only you accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, according to Romans chapter 10, that then you are able to live for eternity in fellowship with your creator. Without Jesus Christ, no man would see the Father. And I love a lot of people. I know I'm going to get back slack for that, but I am a Christian. I believe in that doctrine. And so, yes, Tammy, to your question, Jesus Christ is the way if you are a Christian. Based and on Muhammad the- Ali did not go to heaven. And if Muhammad Ali did not profess Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, according to John Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 10, then he is not and and here's here's the key tammy we don't know what he did before he closed his eyes or anybody did here's the key and it goes back to what i said before it does not matter as as pastor fisher says we know what we believe but that doesn't stop me from loving you for believing something different i understand that i just wanted my question i understand that that is every christian and pastor's answer it's not no 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 that is that is what we do we love you but the issue is that i just want to know the lessons in in addition to the love yeah we we need we need to be and i said this last time yes okay and i do branding right and one of the things that they teach you in branding is be very clear about who you are and what you do but also be very clear about what you do not do and who you are not. And, what and I just kind of want today, um, pastors seem to ride the fence. And I just want them to say, just say, hey, I said what I said. And Muhammad Ali not going to heaven. And that's, be that, okay with that. You right. know what I mean? That's, that's all I, I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think none of us got a heaven or hell to put him in. We don't know what, what he believed or what he accepted. I know he was Baptist before he became Muslim. So hopefully that carried on. Um, so let me stick with you on this, uh, Reverend Tullis. Uh, please talk to us about how we can keep up with your work at Weller Street Missionary Baptist Church. Yeah, you can follow me on all social media handles at KW Tullis, T-U-L-L-O-S. Um, you can follow me in the Weller Street Missionary Baptist Church, a church where everybody is somebody. We're right in the downtown Boyle Heights area of Los Angeles, great, vibrant. Um, vibrant ministry. I'm also at the Baptist Ministers Conference every Monday. Uh, you can watch us live every Monday. We have a pretty good, strong base around the city. So glad to be here today, Tammy. Thank I've you. I've never met you before. It's such a pleasure to meet you for the first time. We, we've met in passing. 
Ah, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Pastor Fred, please tell me about your work as a real estate license instructor, or would you rather talk about your church, Southside Well, Bethel? Well, listen, Southside Bethel Family of Purpose, we are on 104th and San Pedro in Los Angeles every Sunday at 11 o'clock. We build lives and impact people. But what puts food on my table is my real estate business. I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Productivity Coach. If you if you want to buy a home with no money down, no mortgage insurance credit is not an issue and you can purchase up to four I units. I do not like that real estate me. That, that got half a million dollars. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me, this works. I don't works. see you with this your jewelry works. on. I don't see no, you with no, your no. million dollars worth of jewelry on. Okay. Uh, no. Conscious Lee, what can you tell me about Conscious University, please? Yeah, I already got a class up there for y'all about identity politics, race, class, gender, ability, sexuality. If you want to increase your vocabulary, if you want to increase your understanding and awareness about history and how to navigate these conversations, that's the class for you. I also have another class that I'm uh, creating right now about social media and social issues. If you want to become more savvy and thinking about cryptocurrency or branding or social media marketing, or you want to learn about those trends, you want to get into fat phobia or sexism. Or, okay, I got to go to Pastor Fisher real quick. You got a lot for us. Pastor Fisher, uh, this branding thing you got, the Fisher Brand LLC, and your new single, You. Yeah, so the Fisher Brand, you can follow us on Instagram at the Fisher Brand LLC and allow us to bring clarity to your chaos. I pass the Greater Zion Church family in the beautiful city of Compton, California. And then also look for me under Jay Kingdom on iTunes and all uh, platforms. I got a new single drop in September 19th. And lastly, follow me on all social media platforms under Michael J.T. Fisher. Got it? Good. Thank you so much, pastors, Pastor Fred, <laughs> Reverend KW, and also uh, Conscious Lee and Pastor Dr. Michael J.T. Fisher. That's the business yeah. of Kid Black. Welcome to Quick Trip. How can I help you? Why don't you ask him? It's my turn to bring snacks for our class bake sale. And? I just told Mama about it five minutes ago. No problem. We've got fresh donuts. Oh, thank you. Next thing he's going to tell me, it's our turn to bring the drinks to soccer practice. <laughs> Steven. It's our turn to bring drinks to soccer practice. We've got Gatorade, Powerade, water, you name it. Thank this nice gentleman for saving your life. Any reason's a good reason for Quick Trip. QT. More than a gas station. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com.